Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Friday is prediction day. So Mary Kay Cabot, Douglas Marie, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams and I make our predictions for Sunday's Browns-Vikings matchup in Minnesota. We go over all the things we think will happen and then we make our predictions for the game. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, now is the time. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day, and you can become one of our text subscribers. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and become a Football Insider subscriber. All right, here we go. Our Friday edition of the Origin Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, making Browns Vikings predictions across the board. Let's get right to it. Scott, lead us off. All right. I'm going to, I guess, do a, I don't know if it's either or how this would work in the, in the betting world, but it's going to be uh, pick one or the other. We know Greg Newsom is out. Jedrick Will's status, uh, I guess, is to be determined, to be determined. Uh, which one would be the bigger loss going into this game? Jedrick Will's or Greg Newsom? Hmm. Good question. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jedrick because I think there's probably a bigger drop off. Um, you're talking about Blake Hans or James Hudson or somebody like that having to play left tackle. And I think greedy while he's not, you know, he's not Greg Newsom. I think he can hold his own for a game or two if Newsom's out. So I'm going Jed Wills. It's an interesting proposition. It's, it's, I like this one, Scott. It's really good. It really makes you think. Um, and Dan, you make a good case there. I see where you're going with that. But I think I might go Greg because I think Greg has been doing a really nice job. And I think there's a reason why they are not targeting Greg because they're worried that he can close and make the play. Uh, he, he looks really good for a rookie. Uh, he's actually playing better than Denzel Ward, who is ranked 58th right now amongst qualifying cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, I think that Greg was in the 28, 28 or 29 range. Um, but anyway, so Greg's doing a nice job. Greedy's going to have to knock off the rust. And this is a really rough week to have to knock off the rust against Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. So I think I'm going to say Greg Newsom because not only do you have to be worried about, you know, just the starting job there, but, you know, it kind of affects the whole 
secondary to take one of your best cornerbacks off the field against an offense like this, which I think is third overall right now. Um, I agree with you, Dan. It's a, there's a big drop off when you get down to Blake Hans, but if for some reason Jed can't play, I don't know if it's just going to be plug Blake in there. I mean, they can do some other things. They can move Jack over there. Not that they, you know, not that you want to weaken or change too many positions, but you know, they can do some other things and I think they, they might have to, but I think I'm going to still go Greg here. Hubbard's still hurt. Hubbard's not an option at left. Uh, Hubbard was back at practice. I should. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Hubbard did, did come when back. Would it be him? Well, it, we got to see if it, we got to see if he can go. I mean, he's been so, at practice, but there's no guarantee he'll go. They they were in big trouble last week when Jed, when Jed tried to play when he wasn't feeling it when his ankles really bothered him. So I think it would be Will's if it's not Hubbard. If if and w- even if you did something else, I don't know. I mean, if you moved Conklin to the left and played Hubbard at right, or I don't know. Just played if Hubbard's the next guy in, then I think I maybe would pick that losing Newsom is the bigger thing because I just don't have a lot of faith in Hans at the moment. But I do think if it's so if it's Hans having to play left tackle all game or a compromised Wills, I think that is the bigger deal. But if Hubbard gets back, I think I think they could patch it together. Yeah, the, <clears throat> excuse me. This is a perfect push opportunity, if I'm being real, considering <laughs> who the Vikings who the Vikings have lined up across these guys. Mary Kay already mentioned uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins throwing the football. Uh, but the Vikings front four has been coming on a late. Daniil Hunter, of course, is the household name or, or the, the uh, budging all pro. Uh, but Everson Griffin, the, the veteran who spent the majority of his time in Minnesota, left for a few years and now is back, has really solidified himself in that number two rush spot. So you're looking at two edge rushers that uh, the Vikings have the ability to move around and and target a weaker tackle position, whether it is Hubbard or Hans. But then again, you're looking at Greedy Williams getting what his first start since his his rookie year going against one of the more lethal duos. So it's, it's really a a lose lose for the Browns here. And if anything, I think it's advantage defense because you may be able to hide greedy or just and greedy's not as much as a drop off so i'm leaning towards the the mystery at left tackle uh it's a equally important position but the browns just have less resources there but this is as close to a push as i as i wanted to get yeah and and i'm taking i'm taking wheels all day here i think chris hubbard is still chris hubbard uh let's not forget what he was when he was starting he had some good spot moments last year but uh you know, he's, he's a backup for a reason, and he didn't play particularly well when he wasn't there this season. Um, I, I think I have more faith in Greedy Williams surviving this game than Blake Hans surviving this game. We know it's not going to be James Hudson. It's going to be, if Wills can't go, it's going to be Hans or, or Chris Hubbard. And yeah, I like Greedy better than both of them. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move along here. Mary Kay, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to go with two touchdown catches for Justin Jefferson. Uh, that's my prediction. You guys, you know, you can take the the over and the or the under on that, or however you want to do it. But uh, he only has two touchdown catches so far this season. Adam Thielen actually has four. Um, but once again, I think Justin Jefferson going up against Denzel, who's off to a little bit of a slow start and greedy who will be knocking off the rust. Uh, I think that they're going to try to take advantage of him. 
take advantage of his speed, his ability, and, uh, and, and try to push the ball to him as much as they can. I think two TDs for JJ. I'll, I'll take the under here only because I think the Vikings are going to have a, a ability to spread the ball out some more. Uh, Adam Thielen, I expect continues his touchdown streak. And this is a, a game where I could see Kirk Cousins throwing for multiple. If, if someone's going to bring that up later, uh, but Je- Justin Jefferson on the outside is someone you can try to take away with a, a, a bracket or, or a safety over him, which you, you think Joe Woods uh, will be planning to do. Um, I think one touchdown is safe Two, since I already said a push people get sick of hearing that. And if Justin <laughs> Jefferson goes off for three touchdowns and the Browns have a lot of secondary issues. I, I'm going to take, if there's an under to this, I'm probably going to take it too. Uh, I've, Kirk Cousins is like near the bottom of the league in air yards, intended air yards. He's really not throwing it downfield. And the Browns have been really good tackling this season. Um, you know, if you're limiting the amount of times when players are getting out and getting away from you and breaking off big explosive runs, the Browns have been good against guard, guarding against that this year. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm probably going to this game thinking more um, – maybe more worried about what they might do in the run game if Dalvin Cook is healthy enough to go. Uh, I'm not so concerned about them getting beat way, you know, far downfield on deep throws. And yeah, I, I think they're going to be able to keep most of this stuff in front of them. I don't see them just racking up explosive plays against the Browns. He could very well get two touchdowns, but I'm going to take the under. Yeah. My, my thing is related to the Browns excuse me, the Vikings passing attack as well. So to what Ellis, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a very productive game against the Browns. I don't, I don't know if it'll mean two for Justin Jefferson. I like where Mary Kay's head is at. So I think two is certainly possible. um, But I just think the way the Vikings throw it is going to give the Browns trouble. I'm going to take the Ellis Williams mega lock push of the week on this one <laughs> Two uh, two touchdowns. I'll, I'll go with that. But Doug, since you want to talk about passing, let's go to you and, and let's kind of continue this discussion on how the Vikings might attack the Browns through the air here. So I've got Kirk cousins for 300 passing yards and three touchdowns, which would basically fit what he's done this year. That's kind of his average. He threw for 351 in the opener, 244, then 323 last week. He's thrown eight touchdowns total for the season, no interceptions. I was re-watching what he did against Seattle last week, and the thing that impressed me is they got down 17-7 to early, and they didn't get away from what they do. It's all little outs to the receivers, screens, crossers to the tight ends. His time to throw is among the, sh- the quickest in the league. He just gets it out of his hands. And I, at the moment, am at the point where this Browns defense, as it continues to evolve, continues to evolve, where we've talked a lot about how Ellis and everybody else talked about how they sort of build a defense to stop a guy like Lamar Jackson, right? That we've talked a lot about, hey, they're going to play some super dynamic athletic quarterbacks. They've got Lamar ahead. They've got Kyler Murray ahead. They've got Justin Herbert in two weeks. They have all that stuff. I actually feel like they might be more ready for that than they are for veteran dude who gets rid of the ball. And it's just like, I'll take it. 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 And like this to me is, is a, is a little bit what Tyron Taylor did. So if they're just going to get the ball out of Kirk cousins hands the pass rush, won't have time to get there. He's got two legit receivers. He knows how to use the tight end. I mean, it's this. And here's the thing. Kevin Stefanski 
I mean, this is, as we all know, this is the Kevin Stefanski offense. And you build a defense to try to stop, I think, what you know is the best offense. Kevin Stefanski knows this is the best way to play offense. But I don't know that the Browns defense is actually built to deal with it. So I think it could be a long day of nine to 14 yard Kirk Cousins completions down after down after down. And after they got down uh, to the Seahawks last week, they just absolutely stayed in their game plan. They're down 17 to seven. The rest of that game, they had scoring drives of 85 yards, 66 yards, 50 yards, 70 yards, and 88 yards. They just marched and marched and marched. I think the Browns have a better defense than Seattle, but the Vikings just look kind of on point to me right now, and the Browns' defense is still evolving. So Cousins, 303 TDs. Doug, I, I really like that point about them being down and kind of staying in character because so many NFL teams panic when they get down like two scores. And, you know, I, heard, I randomly heard an interview with Mitchell Schwartz this week where he was talking about that game the Browns played in Pittsburgh in 2014. And they were down huge at the half, like 28 to – I don't remember what it was. They were down like 28 points. And Kyle Shanahan came out and just ran the football and ran the football and was kind of who he wanted to be. And the Browns came back. And I really respect offensive coordinators that don't panic. I think there's a little bit of that in Kevin Stefanski too. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really good point. And that screen game was killer last week for the Seahawks. And yeah, I, I mean, there's no reason to believe that Kirk Cousins can't put up a, a good game against this team, even if we still think the Browns might win this game. Uh, I, I just sort of think that's who the Vikings are. I, I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take that. Yeah, I'll go three over 300 yards seems, seems legit here. Yeah. I I like this one a lot too. The Vikings offense is best disrupted by playing physical man coverage um, against guys like Adam Thielen uh, against their slot receiver, KJ Osborne, who has, uh, I believe seven targets and seven catches on third and third or fourth down uh, a guy who has just been a, a guy to have it player for them. Who's clearly abusing one-on-one coverage and Kirk cousins trusts him in those spots. Like you said, Doug, it's get the ball out quick, let these guys run. And with so much zone that the Browns play, we're going to see what we saw in the first half of the chiefs game. We're going to see, like you said, Doug, a lot of what Tyrod Taylor was going to be able to do. And, and that means it's a team that's going to march the ball downfield eight, nine, 10 play drives, and then it's going to come down to red zone football and we'll see who's better situationally. But that bodes well for some expansive uh, passing yards. And then for this prop to work for Doug, they're going to score in the red zone. And I I think this is a higher scoring game. So I I like that prop and I would take it. Yeah, I'll I'll take the over here too. I think it's more likely that the Browns have success stopping the run because they've been good against the run this year. And there's also the chance that the Vikings got to catch up a little bit. Because remember, the Browns are going against the Vikings defense, which hasn't been outstanding this season. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, when you look at, at Kirk Cousins, I mean, they, they have played some pretty decent football teams the last couple of weeks, and he still was able to throw three touchdowns and no interceptions against Arizona and Seattle. His rating, 122 against Arizona, 128 versus the Seahawks. Against Arizona, he had to face that pass rush. He had to face Chandler Jones and uh, and J.J. Watt. He's been sacked only one time in each of the past two games. So that does show 
uh, that he he's getting the ball out. He's getting the ball out of there. Now he was sacked three times by the Bengals in the first week. Um, but I think they, I think they tightened that up. And then I think the other factor is that not only is Del- Delvin cook coming back this week, and I think that's going to be huge. Um, but also, uh, their number two running back had over a hundred yards against the Seahawks last week. So you're almost looking at the Cleveland Browns here a little bit, right? I mean, you've got some good receivers, you've got some good tight ends, you've got two good running backs, you've got the same scheme. Um, So I, I see, I think Kirk is capable in this game of 300 and, uh, and three TDs. I think the, the Browns defense will be neutralized somewhat by this veteran quarterback that's going to see the defense really, really well, get the ball out of his hand. It's going to be super loud in there. Uh, I think they'll run it effectively. And uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think he can put up those kind of numbers. Okay. So I, I'm going to go here because I'm sort of on the, this is sort of a Minnesota offense question. There's also a Browns offense question, but, but we'll kind of stick with this. So Mike, this is a question more than anything. Who will have more rushing yards on Sunday, the Vikings or the Browns? So for a little context, the last two weeks, Minnesota's been at 177 and 140. Uh, and Alexander Madison was really good last week in place of Dalvin Cook. We don't know Cook's status yet. He was limited uh, in practice on Wednesday. Uh, they've given up over 100 yards in all three. And the Browns have rushed for 153, 156, and 215. Uh, last week so which of these two teams runs for more yardage on Sunday and why it's a good one that's a good one Dan the first thing that comes to my mind is the Browns rushing rushing for more yardage because I do think that Jadavian Clowney really really picks up your run defense I, I think he has really helped in that regard and even though Dalvin Cook is coming back, I, I still think the Browns' defense is is just so much better across the board that um, I just think the Browns will be able to stay fresh and have their little formula going where you get to the fourth quarter and either Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb is going to be peeling off uh, big runs here or there. I mean, it, it could be close depending on how the game goes. I'm going to go Browns, more rushing yards. I think the Vikings have more rushing yards and it's going to be by design. I I, I see this game plan from Kevin Stefanski mirroring the Titans game from a year ago, meaning he's not going to be afraid of the Vikings secondary and perhaps will come out throwing it, knowing two things, knowing that they need to grab a lead and hold on to it, which teases my uh, first prop. And secondly, that the Vikings secondary is quite unproven um Breland's a guy back there who's been getting beat deep Patrick Peterson is is still uh, not you know not the all pro he once was and is playing really just above replacement level and this is an opportunity to play inside an enclosed stadium you know your conditions are going to be clean and smooth and you can position Baker to have a Kansas City like game minus the turnover, plus Odell Beckham Jr. I worry about not having Jarvis Landry in this game. If this was a Jarvis-Odell-Baker contest, I, I would be all over a Baker, like 325-yard throwing performance. <clears throat> it, it puts more pressure on Odell. 
I think the tight ends need to be perfect, but because of the game plan and understanding the type of team the Browns are, I, I think you got to come out and have more passing yards than the Vikings, which means you're, the Vikings likely rush for more because they have proven they're dedicated to that. They gave their backup running back last week a career high 26 carries. They, they didn't care who was back there. They weren't switching up their plan. Hey, well, they still got DPJ. He looked pretty good against the Titans last year, right? For that game? I was thinking the same thing, looking at some of the rankings for the, the Vikings secondary. I mean, the, the Browns are really good against the run. So my first thought would be, yeah, they're going to have a better shot at limiting the Vikings. Um, I mean, that's the one thing that players and coaches every week say that they did good. They're happy with how they did against the run. Um, they got all this other stuff they need to clean up, but hey, we did a good job against the run. Um, so I, I'm probably going to go with that, but I could see that happening, especially, like you said, being in the dome and not having to worry about all those extra things that might get thrown your way and um, just having the option, knowing that the Vikings secondary is there to be to be challenged makes a lot of sense, but I'm, I think I'm still going to go with the Browns here. I do think it's one of those, it's, it's the the science part of the game versus the art part of the game. I, everything you guys saying about maybe the vulnerability of the Minnesota secondary, I think is right on, but the Browns had a little trouble working out the run game last week. And I don't know if it's like, you know what, let's remind everybody what Nick Chubb does and Nick Chubb runs over people. And that's not what it felt like, right? Last week was the Kareem hunt game and Nick Chubb, what do you have like 20 for 66 or something? Is that like, like it wasn't, it wasn't classic Nick Chubb last week. So even though it's a dome, even though the Minnesota is maybe a team you can throw on, I just wonder if Stefanski is going to want to get Nick Chubb back to being Nick Chubb. And especially with what we talked about with any hesitation on the offensive line, I think our real fears on the offensive line are in pass protection, less so than in run blocking. And so it's like, you know what, let's line up and run some people over, not just in the fourth quarter, but to start the game and see how that goes. And if it works, then I think they might stick with it. So I will take the Browns rushing for more yards. Cause also if Kirk cousins throws for 300 and the Vikings outrush the Browns, that is a lot of offense for Minnesota. And I'd be worried about <laughs> Cleveland's chances. Nikki well, had 84 I, last week, just, just yeah. for bookkeeping purposes. And yeah, he had six uh, yards to carry in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, he was himself in the fourth quarter. It was those first three quarters where yeah. it wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty nice when Nick Chubb cannot be himself and he can just hand the ball off and, and get the ball in Kareem Hunt's hands in a million ways. It's a, it's a pretty good luxury for this offense. I am going to say, I mean, I think this game is going to be a shootout, and I'm kind of with Ellis. I do think that this feels a little bit like a game where the Browns come out and pass early in the game. I mean, I think it'll be balanced, but I think they'll they'll pass a little more. And, you know, there have been games where they were trending that way and – you know, Baker hurt his shoulder in week two um, and, and the Browns kind of went back to the run after that. I, I still think that's sort of what they prefer to do is come out and throw a little more early um, and, and lean on the run late. And because I think it'll be a little bit of a shootout, we might not get that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb running it out in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I, I think there's going to be a lot of yards out there to Doug's point. I think there's going to be a lot of yards out there for both teams. This could be like that Chargers Cowboys game a couple weeks ago that was 800 yards of offense, except they'll actually score in this game. Um, so I, I think this will be, I, I, th I think there's enough yards out there for the for Kirk Cousins to have a big game, the Vikings to run for some yardage and still even for the Browns to win this thing. 
Uh, who hasn't gone yet? Has everybody gone? Ellis, you got you I got one. Gone yet. <clears throat> yep. All right. So through three weeks, it's quite clear the the Browns' recipe for winning football games. They grab a lead and they try not to let it go. Of course, that didn't happen in Kansas City. They led for like three and a half quarters there and let it go. But then those these past two games have been the inverse, right? Things start a little tight. Then the Browns grab a lead and they don't let it go. I would say they've led for nine, nine and a half of the, of the 12 quarters played. So my over-under for y'all is the Browns will lead for two and a half quarters versus the Vikings. I'm going to take the under. I, I think, and I, we got into this a little bit on got to watch the tape. This might be the first time you see Cleveland playing from behind and needing to have some urgency and playing catch up uh, largely for everything we laid out about Kirk cousins and how he, efficient this offense is. And at times the way it can be explosive, <clears throat> the questions at left tackle really worry me uh, just drive killing moments. We saw in Chicago going for it twice on fourth down uh, some third and fives that they're just not able to convert because pressure collapses and the Browns got out of that Chicago game with the win in, largely in all due to uh, incompetent offense on the other side. It's the exact opposite of what you're getting against Minnesota. Mike Zimmer is going to have an incredible game plan on how to attack this Browns protection. And Kirk Cousins is far steps away better than what Justin Fields is doing as an offense right now. I think the Browns come from behind, not saying they don't win this game, but they're going to have to play a different style of offense to win it. So again, the prop is over under two and a half quarters that the Browns lead this football game. I'll take the under because I, I could see like a back and forth kind of game, but where it's like Minnesota takes a lead and the Browns have to catch up and Minnesota takes lead and the Browns have to catch up. I think the Browns will play with them, but I can see that it's going to maybe feel like the tides against them for much of the game. So I'll take the under on that. I think it's a good prop. Yeah, I like this one. I'm going to take the over because I do feel like this. Ellis, you mentioned that Tennessee game again, going back to that. Yeah. I feel the Browns and Kevin Stefanski are really good at delivering early punches. They're just really good at that. And I think this could be a game where that happens. And maybe you're white knuckling it there towards the end a little bit. But I could see them jumping out to a two, two score lead maybe three scores. That seems like a bit much, but I could see them jumping out quickly and kind of trying to hang on a little bit. Yeah. Comebacks. That's really not a position they've been in much with Stefanski. Um, there was that Bengals game. And really what you see most is like you said, Dan, them get, you know, they get the big lead and then it's, you know, hang on tight. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I'll go, I'll go ahead and say that the Vikings get the lead. I think there's something new this team needs to go through. And if they go through it early in this season, that's even better. Uh, they, they know very, they know they're really good at getting leads, <laughs> but they clearly need some practice at, uh, at coming from behind. So yeah, I'll take the under here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm good. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was gonna just say, gonna say, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Ellis. I was gonna say, you, you, cause you're either getting the Tennessee game plan, like I said, or the chiefs game plan in week one, or you're going to see a version of the Browns that we saw these past two weeks where they're feeling it out throughout the early part of the game, not to a point where it's by design. It's just, they're getting beat in situations and that two side of Kevin Stefanski's offense. I'm not sure which one we're going to get. And again, that's why I lean towards this being a back and forth, if not come from behind game, because you're just getting a much more competent and complete 
Vikings team than you've seen the Houston or Chicago be? You know, I, th- I think the Browns showed a vulnerability last week that has kind of been overshadowed by the fact that the Browns defense got nine sacks. Baker Mayfield was sacked five times last week. Okay. I mean, and that should raise a red flag on this football team. Uh, so he's holding the ball a little bit too long, which is somewhat a function of booting it out. Uh, those guys are always have longer times, but, um, and obviously there were some issues with Jed Wills and we don't know what that's going to be like this week, but if he does play, he's struggling. I watched him, you know, today, you know, he's got that ankle taped up pretty good. I mean, he, he's, he's still going to be in some pain if he is out there. Uh, So I think that that's one area where they sprung a little bit of a leak. And I think the Vikings are going to try to take advantage of that. Uh, And I I think that could have an impact on, on this game. So, um, you know, I I just think it's something that that they're going to have to to be careful about. As you mentioned, you know, Daniil Hunter, I think he's got four sacks, Everson Griffin. I think they're going to try to blitz. I think they're going to try to get a lot of, I think Mike Zimmer is going to try to get a ton of pressure on Baker Mayfield because I think they, they found out that, uh, you know, that there is a little bit of a, a weakness there. So, I think that could impact how this game goes. Okay. We're not going to go all the way around the horn again here. So if somebody has a second one that they think is really killer, now's your chance. I have it out before we get to the game predictions. Did you say you had one, Scott? Because I have one. I got got one. All right, Scott, you go first. And I, I just want to ask you guys a question, but go ahead, Scott. Greg Joseph or Chase McLaughlin, most likely to hit the game winning kick. I love this. I was wondering if anybody was going to bring up the Greg Joseph revenge game. I mean, Greg (laughs) Joseph, Greg Joseph. I mean, the Vikings should be at worst two and one because they needed Greg Joseph should have made a 37 yard kick to beat the Cardinals. So, I I mean, I guess you have to go chase, right? He hasn't missed a game winner yet for the Browns. So trust in chase. There better be every Fox camera, whatever team. Networks broadcasting this game on special teams coach Mike Prefer. If Chase McLaughlin hits a game winner <laughs> inside uh, U.S. Bank and uh, an organization Prefer spent, I think, eight years with that, it, it would it, it would be legendary. I'm going to go Chase. I am I am Team Chase right now. If Greg if it's if Greg Joseph has a chance and misses one, he's getting cut on Monday. So I don't know. Maybe Greg Joseph better hope he doesn't line up with the chance to do it. I mean, that, that 57 yarder was beautiful. And if he, if, if not for Justin Tucker, he would have been a special teams player of the week. So that was a thing of beauty. And, and we know, chase. I mean, we know what happens to Vikings kickers. So uh, yeah. How Doug, far we've come, how far <laughs> we've come with kickers, man. Everybody has confidence and, and the Browns kicker now. Well, we all believe Doug, what was your question? My question is, do you think, the unflappable Kevin Stefanski will look flapped this week in Minnesota because I think he will, because it will come from love and everybody should go read the story that Ellis wrote about Kevin Stefanski. It is insane for someone to spend 14 years with one organization (laughs) as assistant coach, right? That is crazy. And the fact that here he is in year two as a head coach and he has to go there in week four, how could it not affect him? He built his entire life there 
Everything that happened good to him in his life is because he spent 14 years with the Minnesota Vikings. It is not a business trip. It is not the same old, same old. He will feel for this game like he has never felt and will never feel again in his life as a head coach. And I don't know that that means he's going to, you know, forget to call a play or something, but you cannot escape this. And it's not revenge. It's not, what do you mean revenge? He loves this place. He owes his life to this place. But my guess would be that we maybe don't get the absolute best version of clever, sharp, always one step ahead Kevin Stefanski. I'm not blaming him. I am just preparing us for the inevitable emotion of a guy going back to a place where he spent 14 years. So that's what I think. What do you guys think? I have to totally disagree with you on this, Doug, 100%. Every single person that I've ever talked to about Kevin Stefanski going all the way back to my very first conversation with Brad Childress about him when Kevin Stefanski first got hired was unflappable, can compartmentalize things, can put those blinders on, can't rattle the guy. And if last season did not rattle Kevin Stefanski, having to deal with COVID every single week, not having an offseason, not having a preseason, finding out that your whole entire, you know, receiving core is wiped out per game, finding out that you can't be at your own team's playoff game. I mean, it was the craziest season anybody could possibly have. I think he can go into Minnesota. I think, you know, he can you know, enjoy whatever he might enjoy the night before or, you know, drive around and feel a little nostalgia. But from one to four on Sunday, I don't think that comes into play at all. I don't think he lets it get to him. I think that's what he's all about. And I, and he, he preaches that to his players. He has to set the example and he will. But all the stuff that you said, I think he's not flapped by bad. He wasn't. This is good. I think this is a completely different kind of flap which is why I think it could be something that this, yeah, all that stuff where it's like, there's craziness. It's like, I got it. And the chaos, I'm good. But it's like, this is the heartstrings, baby. And the heart, the heart sometimes can make you feel a little weird. So that's for so, our emotional, that's for our emotional. Part. I know, <laughs> feel the emotions. So <laughs> let me, let me help Doug out here. The way we get to Doug's prop happening is if you parlay it, the, these first two legs that I'm about to lay out for you. So first, will there be a tribute montage video presented by the Vikings to Kevin Safansky? If so, then do you get a 30 second or more standing ovation from the crowd at some point? It doesn't have to be after the video, but just some point in general. And if you get all three of those, then I think you see a Kevin Safansky that may blink. Yeah. What are the, do we have any, anything like that? Some sort of tribute video or even okay. just a standing ovation for Kevin when he's announced? I mean, That's I how they got Peyton Manning when he went back to the Indianapolis. They got him with that uh, that montage, that tribute. See. I know, I know, he was there 14 years, but really, I don't know if there would be a montage video for. for have you guys, have you guys not that heard just of Minnesota? Feels weird. It feels yeah. Have you not heard of Have you not heard of Minnesota Nice? We're we're a little different no. over here. Look, there's there's one fatal flaw in Doug's whole argument, and it's that Kevin Stefanski has no emotion. Right? He's like he's a robot. He's just, there is nothing there. So I don't think he's going to be uh, nostalgic. No, none of that's going to matter. He's just, he's focused. He like winds himself up and 
just does everything that needs to be done, doesn't worry about anything. Yeah, he, there's no emotion there. He's Bill Belichick. He's a polite Bill Belichick. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you this though. Kevin is going to use any. We've learned this about him. Even though he doesn't say it when he talks to us, he's going to use any little tactic to get his team motivated. So he's going to be unflappable, and it's not going to affect him. But if he thinks it's going to help his team win a game, he might embrace a little bit of that win one for the Gipper. You know, if his players are kind of like, let's go win this for Kevin. Let's go show these guys. He'll. I'm not saying he'll drum it up, but he'll certainly embrace it because I think he'll use, again, very, very Belichickian. It's not going to be out there. Nobody's going to see it. But behind those scenes, inside those walls, he's going to use every little thing he can to motivate his guys. So I don't think it's a negative. I, I think it's 100% a positive. And we'll see some post-game locker room celebration video where they're dumping water on him or doing something crazy that, that we've, we've never really seen before because they wanted to win this one for Kevin. All right. We got to make our picks here real quick and get out. So the over under on this is 51 and a half. And that's actually, uh, at least based on where I looked, that's actually gone down. It was at 52 and a half earlier uh, in the week. So it's at 51 and a half Browns minus two and a half has stayed pretty steady. So where are you guys at? 34-33 Browns. Chase McLaughlin hits the winning field goal at the end. McLaughlin, Kevin Stefanski, and Mike Prefer are all carried off the field on the shoulders <laughs> of their players. And Prefer's balling the whole time. <laughs> I think the Browns lose. I think the Browns lose. Ooh. I have them going 13-4. and four. There's like five different things that we talked about on this episode that we, I don't love about the matchup. I don't love them trying to stop Kirk Cousins. I don't love what's going on at left tackle. I don't love Greg Newsom being out. I don't love Kevin Stefanski trying to deal with this going back to Minnesota. I'm not getting off 13 and four, but I just, I don't like, I don't like any part of this for the Browns. It feels like the Vikings just happen to do a lot of things that I think can get after a Browns defense that is still evolving and I will just couple this now. And Mary Kay talked about this last year when I got lucky and hit a lot of picks. You Sometimes you get off on a season. Sometimes you get on on a season. They're going to the Chargers next week. I think they're going to the Chargers at two and two when people think Justin Herbert's looking like the MVP. I think they lose at Minnesota and they go take care of business at the Chargers. When I think that might look like the opposite, right? Oh, the Chargers are awesome. They're more bold. I just, I, there's things about the matchup, the motivation, I think this is a weird week for the Browns. I think they lose 30-24, so I'll take the over as well. I like, I like the Browns in this one. Um, I, I mean, I do think they're going to lose one of these next two, and so I'll, I'll say it'll be the Chargers. Um, but I, I like the Browns in this one. I think their defense is I, – I like their defense better than I like Minnesota's defense. I think offensively, the Browns can do what they need to do to win this game. Like I said, I, I think it's going to be a shootout, Scott. I think you – I forget exactly what your score was, but I think you're about right there. Um, I would go Browns 35-32. Yeah, I've got the Vikings winning this one like 31-24. I was quite concerned with the Browns offense a, a week ago. This issue at left tackle is going to be something Mike Zimmer knows how to attack. This offense in general is one that Zimmer is used to coaching against every day in practice. And of course, his former pupil, if you will, in Kevin Stefanski. 
And the Vikings quietly really should be three and all. Dalvin Cook fumbled in Cincinnati to allow the Bengals to win in overtime. And then we already went over the missed field goal. And then they outplayed and came from behind last week against Seattle. Kirk Cousins has outplayed both Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson in those games. Yeah, Kyler Murray is um, the MVP favorite. And it's tough finding Kirk Cousins on that list. So this is an opportunity for the Vikings to make a, a national statement with the Kevin Stefanski reunion being the headline. And then I think the Browns get right as they play uh, these two tougher games coming up after this. But this is going to be a road bump, emotions, issues at left tackle, missing your first-round rookie corner, too much to overcome for the Browns. Yeah, you know, this this is a tough one to pick. This is a really tough one to pick because – Obviously, really, as we've all been stating, this one can really go either way. I have to come up with five losses somewhere. Somewhere I've got to come up with five. And if I'm even thinking that a team can beat the Browns, I got to seize that moment because there are going to be plenty of games where I where I feel like the Browns are definitely winning that game. Uh, I do think that Kirk Cousins really wants to uh, wants to win this game. I think it's meaningful for him. Uh, to beat Kevin Stefanski, who he's pretty close to. Uh, I think Mike Zimmer really wants to win this game over his, you know, one of his former assistant coaches. I think that's vitally important to him. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook coming back is going to be very significant. And I think the Vikings are better than their record. I think they're better than their record and they know they've got to, to grab one back. I mean, it's it's a way different world uh, to go two and two or to fall to one and three falling to one and three, you know, you're starting to get really behind the eight ball there. So I think this is a vitally important game for them. Uh, they want to take back the one that, that got away from them against the Cardinals. And I think they're going to come out all guns blazing. The offense is going to be explosive. I'm going to say they're win- they'll win. I've got like 28 to 24, something like that. Okay. It's a pretty good mix. Uh, three, three I would like to Vikings. I'd like to point out very quickly that the unflappable Bill Belichick in his first game at pa- as Patriots head coach, when he came back to Cleveland in his first year, the Patriots lost. Fair enough. We all remember <laughs> that. All right. Well, we did it. We got our podcast in our Friday podcast, previewing the Vikings and the Browns on Sunday in Minnesota. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. For Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.